Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Luke out is all the films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to another episode of Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a cheese string peeler, and I love films. As the great blues guitarist B.B. King once said, The beautiful thing about learning is no one can take it away from you. And if Green Book is the best film of the year, then I'm made out of Legos. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, and then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. And this week, my guest is Empire Magazine's very own Mr Chris Hewitt. Before we get on with that, I am setting you all homework for next week's episode. You all have to watch Russian Doll on Netflix, all of it. Not only because it's brilliant, but also because next week I am talking to the co-creator, writer and director, Leslie Headland. And it is such a good episode, but we do a really big, deep dive into Russian Doll, so I don't want you to miss out and I don't want it being spoilt for you. There's also lots of exciting new live shows coming up, some at the BFI, one at the South Bank Festival, one at Marlow Festival, but the next live podcast will be taking place on April 7th at the Brighton Podcast Festival. I suggest you get tickets fast because it's going to be a cracker. I'm also going to be performing my stand-up show from last year, What Is Love, Baby Don't Hurt Me, for one week only at the Soho Theatre from May 6th. Tickets will be on sale soon. Please come along to that, it will be great. Follow me on Twitter at Brett Goldstein and on Instagram at Mr. Brett Goldstein to keep up to date with all the live shows and all the other stand-up gigs. If you do enjoy the show and you want to support it and get more content, come and join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get extra guest questions, videos, guest list tickets, recommendations, all sorts of shit. This week, there is a full extra 10 minutes with Chris, where we discuss his unequivocal greatest opening sequence of all time, amongst many other things. Is that a word? Unequivocal? Unequivocal. Unequivocal. This is unequivocal. Anyway, best of all, if you do become a Patreon member, you don't even have to hear this bit about becoming a Patreon member. You get the whole episode completely unencumbered by ads and stuff like that. Give it a look over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. You'll love it. Unequivocal. So, here we go. Chris Hewitt is an excellent critic, a writer and a podcaster in his own right, and most of all, he is a real lover of movies. I was delighted to get him on the show. He's always been incredibly supportive of me and of John Drever, and he's a proper lovely man. He is, however, a very naughty boy. So here is your content warning, as I think this might actually be the rudest episode we've done, so you have been warned. So that is it for now. 
I very much hope you enjoy episode 33 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried With. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a man and I'm joined today by another man. What is too many men? Here he is. I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm delighted to have him on the show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It is. Yeah. He is a writer. Uh, yeah. He is a host of his own podcast. <laughs> he is an awards host. <laughs> he is a kind man. Yes. He is a husband. This is true. He is a editor. Yeah, sometimes. I'll go for Why that. not? Why not? And he is the first person to have ever made me and John collectively cry together. Oh. We'll come to that. Please welcome to the show. <laughs> it is Empire Magazine's Chris Hewitt. Yay! Can I yeah myself? Of course you can. Myself. You must do. Yay! If Tell I were me. you, I would all die. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have to. I have no alternative but to yay myself. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, Chris. Uh, thank you, Brett. Thank you for letting me come on and ruin your podcast. Because, frankly, I've been in awe of the guests that you've lined up on this over the last few weeks. And it's been incredible. You know, Jack Whitehall. Yeah. James Acaster. Yeah. Carrie Ad Lloyd. Yeah. People loving it. Yeah. And now this dipshit. Is now on... it. Yeah. Like... I wanted you from day one. Oh, come on now. I wrote but you very early you on, You did, I this is true. But yeah. one of these things is not like the other bread. <laughs> well, what I will tell people, yeah. I don't mind saying it with you in the room, oh. is that uh, me, and, me and John Drever uh, made a film called Super Bob, which you should see. And it came out and we were shitting ourselves. And me and John were on the phone to each other. And I came home in my front door and on the doorstep was my empire magazine which i subscribed to and i said oh maybe super has been reviewing this and john was like oh god oh god on the phone oh god oh god oh god and i went slow opening it and he was like oh god oh god and we were just thinking it's gonna be shit it's gonna be shit and then i unwrapped it and i was like we're we gonna look maybe we should do this separately because it could be awful oh, no. and then we very slowly opened it got to the page four stars from chris hewitt the yeah. two of us jumped around and cried, and I, I always think it was like that moment in that thing you do where they first hear their song on the radio. That's the closest I've come to that. We were so because we both remember since always. Yeah, God, that was an exciting thing. Oh, a wonderful man. gift. That is so uh, so pleasing to hear. But you know, you made you made a, a film that was worthy of it. But that had to say, Brett, what happened to the fifth star? Honestly, yeah. yeah. Well, I think our expectations were so low that. <laughs> Four, we'll, t- we'll fucking take it. But yeah, the fifth week. But that's good because you left us yeah. something to work on. Something to aim for. Something to get Absolutely. better. No, I can, I can say this because you're in the room as well. But Super Bob is uh, a gorgeous film. It is a lovely film. It's very romantic. It is very funny. Uh, if people haven't seen it and they want to see Brett in a, in a cod piece. I was going to say uh, long no, cloth, but no, long no cloth. No cod piece, thank you. That's the real deal. No, that's the real deal. <laughs> Uh, then check out Super Bob, available <laughs> now in all good virtual yeah. video stockists. Anyway, thanks for coming on the show, Chris. No, no see worries. you later. See you, bye. <laughs> so, but what I, something that made, made me think about it, um, what, what question I had for you mm-hmm. is that kind of since then, I'd say we've been friends of a sort, and I've seen you. I would say acquaintances, you, Brett, but okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're in my top three, so that. Has, <laughs> uh, but I wondered, and I thought you 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 work for Empire Magazine. I don't know if you mm. write for other people as well. No, you're Empire. Empire, uh, do you I, I am almost exclusively Empire, although yes. I will appear in anyone anyone's podcast. <laughs> and what I I wondered is, you know, 
there's an element of now we're let's say acquaintance friends yes so if uh the next film uh that i made mm-hmm. was there's more pressure on you and me yeah. as in if you were to go and see empire sends you to see that film don't you feel like <laughs> oh fuck i'm just gonna have to give it <laughs> well here's the thing i'd have to i'd have to be like jeff sessions i'd have to recuse myself oh is that what I you do uh, you know our, but our... is that what you do with yeah, the... yeah 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 oh, right yeah our, our deep Deep personal friendship over the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't, uh, I couldn't review the film. I could watch the film. I could talk about it on the Empire podcast. Right. But I'd always have to do so with a caveat that you know Brett and I know each other and blah 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 Interesting. blah blah. Interesting. Yeah, it'd be tricky. And and if you made an absolute stinker, yeah, which you won't. But if you did, yeah, I'd have to do that thing where I look you in the eye and say, "You've done it again." <laughs> <laughs> Only you. Yeah. Please. Only you could be so bold. <laughs> please do. So have you had an experience when, because particularly you're interviewing people, you're meeting people, yeah. you're making of films. Is there, and maybe you will never answer this, is there ever a situation with Empire? I would assume there is probably some uh, f- wrangling that goes on in terms of what gets the cover and what, what you're doing big film set visits on. And is there contracts in place like you better give this a good review otherwise you don't get to come and do an interview does it work like that or is you it sound all... like one of those conspiracy theorists on the internet no there's not there really there's is not. uh because you know we we like to have some kind of journalistic yeah, integrity yeah. going on uh no we've never there's there are no contracts have ever been signed no negotiations have ever taken place and certainly no money's wound up in my account people seem to think Mm. You see this on the internet all the time that if yeah. we give, say, a Marvel film a good a good review, and I love uh, the Marvel movies, uh, that we have in some way been paid by Disney or Kevin Feige, mm-hmm. the head of Marvel, has you know sent me over a gold bar with my name on it. And uh, sadly, none listening to street. Listen, I would love to be driving the Marvel Ferrari around town, but it, it ain't happening. I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, I've got some money in my bank. I'd like a good review. <laughs> <laughs> the the my, but, my, my prices start at three hundred pounds per words. <laughs> Have you? That's fine. I'll take one of those little paragraph reviews. That's why Super Bowl was only one word, right? Yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, what? Um, but there must be. My question, I guess, is: mm-hmm. Do you have? Because you meet people and you you write about people and you do stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though, in the case of you and me, we might be closer than you might be with, say, I don't know, Meryl Streep. But if you're meeting with these people. Yeah. And then you review their film. Yeah. And you haven't recused yourself because you've just met them or whatever. Do you feel like, oh, God, is it harder to write bad reviews for people you like and have met and work? You know what I mean? Like, It's hard, but you have to detach yourself from that, yeah. I guess. But the thing is, I don't really write that many reviews these days. I don't really Also, you're like a lover, actually, it. aren't you? Yeah. I always felt there was, there, was, there was tricky. I do review films, obviously, for the magazine, and we talk about them all the time on the podcast. But... Mm. Over the years, my career, for want of a better word, has gone in a slightly different direction. So I'm more of a podcaster. I'll write stuff. I'll write features. I'll write news stories for the for the for the magazine, uh, occasionally for the website. Uh, reviews. I will write reviews from time to time. But a, I think a couple of things happened. One, I wrote the most notorious review in the history of Empire Magazine, which was the was five it? star review of Attack of the Clones back in 2002, which it. forever tainted me <laughs> for many readers. Uh, Did that get surpassed by whoever gave Independence Day two four stars? Oh, my God. Well, that's the thing, because I, I that guy, Dan Jolin, who gave Independence Resurgence four stars, <laughs> yeah. terrible, terrible film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't say anything to him because if I go, what the <laughs> fuck were you thinking? He just goes, but you gave, and in fact, everyone does this on the internet, but you gave Attack of the Clones five stars. <laughs> yeah, but I was young. 
I was foolish. I needed to work. I didn't know what I was doing. It had Yoda with a lightsaber. Yeah, but you did enjoy it at the time, right? At the time. Now I see it for what it is. Right. It's a four-star film. <laughs> no, it's dreadful. It's dreadful. But, you know, hey-ho. And then, so I, I did that. But also, yeah, it's just my career went in a slightly different direction. And I, I think most people... Uh, when you're writing a review, when you start off in this business, you try and make a name for yourself by uh, almost being a shock jock in a way and, mm. and, and writing reviews that are, are nasty or have a lot of invective behind them. And maybe you, you come up with a really, really good line. Yeah, but yeah. honestly, this is this is so weird. Over the years, I've become aware of the sort of personal cost of that. I've become aware that there are people on the other end of those lines that you wake up in the morning, you go, he, 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 yeah. I'm going to skewer this person. And, you know, but I don't want to do that anymore. I, I'm a better person, Brett. You are a better person. No, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm uh, terrible. But Do, yeah. do you, um, have you ever had an incident with a person that you wrote something about uh, that you then saw and they, you know, pulled you up on it or? Not, not personally. No, um, no. Uh, usually I'm okay with that stuff. I've had, Empire being pulled up by people. Mm. Uh, I remember once I was interviewing Taylor Kitsch, who plays he's from Friday Night Lights and you know Trunk Carter. And uh, this was a Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival, and uh, he was promoting a film that came out about four years later uh, about um, I think it was about Kevin Carter actually. So uh, ooh, yeah. yeah, well there you go, the Bang Bang Club I think it was called. And uh, he came up to us and he realised because I had the Empire logo around my microphone, and he went Empire. You guys just gave X Men uh, a really shitty review, and I was like, "Oh God, it was nothing to do with me." But he was fine after that. He was dead on. He Shit. just wanted, yeah. But no one's ever pinned me up against a wall or, right. or threatened to cry. stab me. No, I would. I've only. I would only give him good reviews out of sheer terror. <laughs> five star, five star, five star. <laughs> He's a scary man. I love Robin Hood. I loved it. <laughs> Wherever you were from, it was great. <laughs> Are you? Mm-hmm. Here's my other question. Oh, I love these. You love films. I do I mean, love this films. This is clear. Yes. Are you doing what you wanted to do? Can I ask that? That's a big question for anyone. It is a big thing. I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing one of the things I wanted to do. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. Uh, some of them are physically beyond me, especially <laughs> now at my age. Uh, and my my ability with a guitar means I can't play for you know, a rock band. I can't play for REM. That would have been out anyway. Can't play football, Brett. So... Uh, I always knew I wanted to do something in film. Yeah. And if I'm completely honest, I think I've said this in the podcast before, I started out hoping to make films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to university. I studied film. I studied film and TV and drama. Uh, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, whether I was going to act because I dabbled in that, or whether I was going to write or whether I was going to direct. And I think at university, I had a kind of, I knocked the confidence out of myself a little bit. Oh, really? And I, I, I felt that, I didn't necessarily play well with others, and I did. What did you study at university? Film, TV, and drama. All right. So we we made lots of short films, and we were quite ambitious, and we actually tried to make a full ninety minute thing. Oh, wow. We had a remit to make a fifty minute film, and we tried to make a ninety minute thing, and I wrote the script for that. Wow. And I remember it was. <laughs> this is, I can't even believe I'm saying this. It was about. Uh, it was about Veronica Guerin. Oh wow! Yeah, the, Shit, the yeah, journalist, the journalist who was murdered a few years Kate ago. Kate Blanchett. Yeah, play, played ultimately by Kate Blanchett yeah. in, a, in, a, in a movie, and so we we wrote this short thing that just ballooned into a film. And I wrote the script for it because I was Northern Irish, therefore I had the best insight into it. And yeah. uh, I remember the guy who directed the film at the time. He was like, "Oh man, this is brilliant! You're going to be a screenwriter one of these days." And I, I found the script a couple of years ago, and I looked through it, and it is the most ridiculous, just awful. <laughs> 
you know, sort of thing that you should do a live reading of just to, oh, great. just so I could really cringe and just so I could like yeah. retract my testicles up into the, <laughs> the rest of my, my body. It's so terrible. Uh, How much of this film did you make? They they shot most of it. Oh, really? They shot most of it. Yeah. It was quite an ambitious thing. But anyway, in, in the course of uh, in the course of my course, I lost confidence in my ability to direct and whatnot. And so I came out of that course not really sure what to do. And then I, I decided to become a journalist just because I thought it was something that I could do. I always wanted to write. It was quite creative. Yeah. I thought oh, that could be quite fun. And then within about a year of becoming a journalist, a job came up at Empire, which was oh, wow. something I'd always wanted to do. I'd read Empire since issue two. Yeah. Back in 1989, Batman was on the cover. Yes. And uh, yeah, and they haven't got rid of me since. That's fucking and that wicked. was a long time ago. Did you act in the Veronica Guerin film? I did. did I play? did. I played. I did. I played Kate Blanchett. Who? Oh my god! I'm just remembering this now. Uh, she dies in the film, right? Yeah. So she dies in the film, and we had a guy, really talented guy, really brilliant guy called Rich Parkin, who was like our mini Spielberg at, right. at university. He now works on Hollyoaks, okay. and. He's one of the few to actually have made it in the industry. And he was a special effects guy. He, mm-hmm. he could do everything. He could do absolutely everything. He was one of those guys who would tape, uh, black tape onto the viewfinder of the monitor so he would get that oh, sort wow. of 235 yeah, yeah. look. And he could do everything. And he did uh, special effects as well. So for the end, for the Veronica Garen character, who we did not call Veronica Garen, uh, gets killed. Mm-hmm. And because we were kids, this we, instead of doing this really tragic moment yeah. in a serious style, we went full John Woo on the whole thing. <laughs> She gets she gets killed with she gets shot with a shotgun in a uh, farmyard, and it, it sounds like the producer. I'm not going to lie to you, Brett. It was a balloon with someone's face painted on it, and red paint inside the balloon. And there's a big shot of this wig, just no. and this balloon face just going. Oh my god! Yeah, and that's that's where the film career ended. <laughs> I hope no one has it. This is literally like a Mel Brooks parody. It's so bad. It was so bad. I might retrospectively change my name to Alan Smithy on the on the screenplay. (laughs) But I also played uh, one of the chief baddies, and I got killed in a pub. I was shot to death, and I had a balloon. Well, I had um, party poppers up my. Um, jacket I had a sort of lumberjack jacket on so when you cut got holes in it sh- shot silly yeah, yeah. string shot out of your tits. silly string out I went <laughs> <laughs> funeral was a cracker oh wow <laughs> a literal cracker it was Bloody amazing hell. oh god I feel like I'm sharing so much I love I'm it I'm sharing so much it's fascinating yeah so anyway I couldn't I couldn't do any of that stuff so I became a journalist but because you can't and, and, and the one other thing this is just a practical thing I've always wondered if you, oh two things if I may with Empire. Yeah. So do you all chat about... Do you get um, assigned films? Yes. Right. Yes, we do. Okay. It's changed over the years. It goes back and forth, but different editors have different approaches. But if... Yeah. So that, so so Terry White, is it? Terry White, sorry. So she'll it, go, yeah. Chris, go and review this. Uh, yes, that's pretty much what sure. happens, yeah. Okay. This and film's coming out. Go on. How many a uh, week do you see? Uh, it varies, so... At the moment, I'm really, really busy, so right. I'm down to maybe one or two a week. Okay. Um, on a in a good week, I saw one today, for example. What did you say? I saw. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I signed anything. I saw the Coldplay documentary. Oh, I had full of dreams. It was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you cry. Uh, nearly. Okay. Nearly. Which is weird because I didn't really feel that I had an yeah. emotional connection to Coldplay, but, but there I you go. I don't either, but I always hear people cry when they see them live. Even if they hate them, they go, "Oh, is it Glastonbury?" And everyone, I cry. Yeah. 
I go, oh. how many drugs were you on? <laughs> okay. It was the last night. I was very emotional. I couldn't find the exit. <laughs> what? Most of the films you see then, do you end up seeing in kind of preview press screenings? Yeah, most. Most. Right. Um, which is a really artificial way to see a, a film. Mm. Um, but I get in free and I get sandwiches. So Right. But then if you really like stuff, you take your wife and stuff then. Yeah. In the absolutely. Real you can yeah, sometimes you can take uh you know, you can take your wife or someone else's wife. It's, it's I entirely up to you. To, uh, we went to see Venom. Oh, that was lovely. That was, that <laughs> was great. <laughs> she told me she hasn't seen it. That's uh, so okay. weird. Maybe so not. weird. So uh, <laughs> Okay, I think those are all my I think you've uh, fully answered the <laughs> behind the scenes vampire. Oh yeah, cuz I always wondered do you ever you know, you love film, mm, but your job them. is now writing about film and do yeah. so immersed in film. Do you ever? It hasn't taken any of that love away, has it? No, no, not necessarily. Although uh, I've said this before, but I, I just would like Hollywood and the British independent film industry to just stop making films for a year, so I can get caught up. Right, because right. It's just crazy. You're mm. just. There was one. There was one week about two weeks, two months ago, where there was 19 films released in a weekend. Wow, that's too many. It's just too many. Yeah, it is. Just stop. Just for a year. Yeah. Just suspend all production and then start again in you know, next so November. So like an armistice. Yeah, a little bit. I want, yeah, like... I, want, I want Disney and Warner Brothers to play football with each other on, on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. Come on, guys. <laughs> did you hear, I thought it was very interesting, I, Nat, Natalie Portman did a speech about how to change the industry. and uh, uh, Yeah. I, I think it was at the Vogue Awards and one of her things I thought was very interesting, she said, let's make, let's have a year where you tell stories where uh, no women get killed, and have to have to and have, a, have the room of male directors went right. We're we're done. Yeah. <laughs> we're done. Well, well, we can't kill people. What are we going to yeah. do? They, they were like, can we can we kill can we kill men? Yeah, you can kill men. Oh, that's fine. Mm. Okay, we're back. Right. Yeah, yeah. Can they be wearing a dress? <laughs> Maybe. So, oh fuck! Do you know what? I forgot to tell you. I should have told you when you got here. What? Oh fuck! This is really bad that I haven't told you because. Oh, I don't know how you can is take it, about, it, but... Um, is it about my wife? No, no, no. Your wife's absolutely fine. Oh, that's uh, good. <laughs> she, she loves Venom. <laughs> she loves Venom. Uh, it's that you died. Oh, you no. Died. I'm so sorry. I should have... I pretty, probably should have opened with that, but... I can't sit down. What, how did you die? Ah, uh, well, first thought would obviously be tragic wanking accident. <laughs> really? It's the first thing your mind goes to, isn't it? Not, no. You don't, isn't it? <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah? It's what everyone you said. You don't want to be caught there with, you know, your flaccid lad in one hand and an mm. iPhone in the other. Not that that's how I... What was on the iPhone? Oh, really embarrassing porn, Brett. I mean, yeah. really. Not even, not even good stuff like an illegal download of Venom. It was really, really bad stuff. But it was the porn parody of Venom. <laughs> it was the porn parody of Venom, which Called is... Spunk. <laughs> Starring Eddie Cock, <laughs> right. Tom Hard on is Eddie Cock <laughs> in Venom Spunk Spunk. Sorry, Spunk. <laughs> so you no, but um, I think I think ultimately that was my first thought. But remember, it's your choice because <laughs> that's what I, honestly that's what my expectation would be. That's if, how you think you're going to go. That's what I th- how, how I think I'm going to go. I think right. I'm going to go tragic wank, wank an accident. But mm-hmm. I I suspect that it came out of the blue, and I suspect I was killed by the Podiac Killer. Have you heard about this guy? No. It's a serial killer the cops haven't caught yet. Uh, he lures people into his mysterious podcast bunker and does away with them. And no one knows 
who or what he is or, or where he plays his trade. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How does, he, how does this mystery man kill you? Sharpened microphone, just like out of Peeping Tom. Yeah. Oh, he says, lean closer, lean closer. Yeah. Right at the end of the podcast. Right for your head. One last thing. There you go. One last thing before we say goodnight. Yeah. Then he arranges your body in a sort of shocking tableau of, <sighs> of podcast. It's awful. It's awful. No one knows who he is. Awful, but better than wanking. Well, yeah. Watching Spunk on your iPhone. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was a really moving bit as well. <laughs> the horrible thing is I fell asleep before the actual porn started. Oh, really? Yeah. There was a lot of exposition in Spunk, I remember. <laughs> there really is. Far too much. Um, so, do you worry about death? Uh, increasingly, well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like it. Yeah, genuinely, with every unexplained chest pain, I worry about death. Uh, yeah, I think you do. I think as you, as you get older, you, you worry about, about death as you um, develop relationships. Right. So I don't think I worried about it too much. And then I got married, and now I really worried about it because, you know... I'd leave my, my wife uh, alone to the lascivious attentions of gentlemen callers who mm. might take her to see a terrible Marvel spin-off. She'll be fine, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, don't take her to see Morbius, the living vampire, the Jared Leto movie. Just don't do that. Okay. Just draw a line there. <laughs> if you can, that'd be great. But yeah. I so don't worry. yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Keep you awake at night. Uh, yes, which probably exacerbates the situation. Yeah. <laughs> How did he die? Stress. Well, from just, what? Just, just insomnia. You never slept. <laughs> I'm worrying about death. Um, do you think that there's uh, an afterlife? No. No, I don't. Although I've had a, not a... Not a supernatural experience that I can prove. But when my dad died a few years ago, mm. my wife and I were in the living room where he he died of my sister's... Is this really dark? No, this wanna, is yeah. what the podcast is. Uh, so he passed away in the living room of my sister's house mm. <clears throat> from cancer. And my wife and I were in the living room with his coffin. And the door to the living room was shut. And we were just just looking at the you know his body in the, in the, in the coffin because that's what Northern Irish people do. They display their dead yeah. very proudly. Look at this! Brilliant! <laughs> um, and the... We were just talking about him. I can't even remember what I said, but I said something about him. And the doorknob in the door rattled really hard for about three or four seconds, just like someone was trying to get in. Yeah. And we we just looked at each other and then, what the hell was that? And we went to the door and opened it. There was nobody there. And I called my sister and said, did anyone just try and get in? No, nobody tried to get in. Yeah. And that, you know, that was... I'm not sure if it was my dad or not, or you know, trying to convey a message, or probably you know, wanting to shout at me one last time for not yeah. tidying up. <laughs> but yeah. but it just that that kind of freaked me out a little bit. But by and large, no, I don't think there's. Do you remember anything. what you said about him at that moment when the? I wish I could. Him. It was honestly, it was something really mundane. It wasn't like, "Show me a sign, Dad. Are you still with us?" But it wasn't like so, a lie about him, and he was like, "No, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that." that isn't, don't it be wasn't. telling people that. <laughs> Wow, no. how fascinating. Yeah, so, so strange. So that, that kind of, you know, freaked me out a little bit. Ireland, they display the dead, right, a lot. This is a, a much more, as far as I understand. Well, Ireland's uh, North Well, in my experience, is really strange because over here, uh, an experience I've had of death over here in this country, mm. there's a long period between the death and the burial. Yeah. I think it's about 10 days. In Northern Ireland, we just cannot wait to get people in the ground. Right. It's like it's, like it's two days. Is it? It's two days. It's, it's just, is he dead? Right. Are you sure? 
right, stick him in the ground, just be on the safe side. And they just stick him in the ground. Has everyone had a look? Right, again. Yeah. Behold yeah. the doctor, take the pulse. Right, good, good get him in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's about two days, two to three days at, at most. Wow. So yeah, they're, they're pretty cold. <laughs> Maybe then in they go. And do you think, the, I'm sorry to dwell on this, but that's that's, right. it, does it, do you think your, your view of death is, because I hear, you know, I, I think in England we're very repressed about death and mm. it's not really talked about and it's hidden a bit. And yeah. Whereas I've heard from Irish friends that you have wakes and you've displayed, There's wakes you know, and celebrations. That, and Yeah, and I wonder if that, yeah. you know, like Coco, the film yeah. Coco, yeah. made me feel a lot better about death and I thought I'd quite like this Day of the Dead idea. It seems it's lovely, like isn't a lovely it? idea to me, yeah. yeah. It's Whereas really nice. I don't think we, we we just go shh. No, it's fine. And I wonder <laughs> if that's different from your upbringing. To I think so. I think mm. I think also, and not to get too heavy, there's we have a different relationship with death in Northern Ireland in a, in a weird way. We went through a really mm. horrible time that I hope doesn't come back. Yeah, uh, you know the troubles were. You know, I knew people who had been killed. I knew people mm. who had. You know, I I once. Luckily, there were no fatalities in this, but I went once to a football match from my hometown, Banbridge in Northern Ireland. And this was 1998. This was two weeks before the Oma bombing. I went to uh, uh, I went to a football match in Dublin. Yeah. And when I left with my friend in the morning on the bus, my town centre was there. And when I got back later on the day, it wasn't. Nice. Uh, and it, was, it had been blown up in a 500-pound car bomb, which just destroyed the town centre. And that was a dry run. For the Oma bombing two weeks God. two weeks later, which obviously killed thirty people and led to the yeah. ultimate cessation of the troubles, and so I think you know, and I knew people who had you know who'd been in the what was then the RUC, the Royal Ulster Constabulary. I knew people who had friends who'd been killed, and mm. you know, friends who were in the in the police and had to have shotguns above their door, and if they had a caller, they had to make sure it was you know, they had to check under the car, the whole the whole thing. So I think we 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 have a slightly more frank view of death in Northern Ireland because it was a reality. It was something yeah. that, that actually happened. How are you... I mean, no wonder you don't sleep. You know? <laughs> I'm happy over here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's some heavy shit. Sorry about that. No, I love it. I mean, um, thank you for sharing. Um, so, other than the doorknob, you, you generally don't think there's enough life, but you have that little moment of maybe there's... Just maybe. I like to hedge my bets, just yeah. in case. Well, I'll tell you what, in your... I don't know if you're going to be pleased about this, but there is an afterlife. Oh, yes. Yeah? Is it a good? It's I a good know. one. It depends where it go. It's a good one. You're going to heaven, yes. and in this heaven, uh-huh. they're obsessed with film, so I think you'll like it. <laughs> I think you'll like it. I think you'll, or you might be like, oh, just a whole life of that. Is it multiplex? There's a multiplex, oh. but it's like art house vibes, multiplex technology. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds good. Great screen, massive screen, massive oh, sound. 40X. Premier seats. Just imagine watching Spunk in 40X. Imagine it. Well, imagine no longer, mate. You're in heaven. <laughs> it's all yours. Oh, um, my God. So, but in this heaven, all they want to talk about is your life through film. Okay, cool. And the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film that you remember seeing? All right, okay. So this is this is the tricky one, because I don't really remember it technically. <laughs> but uh, I remember seeing stuff at the cinema. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I remember seeing the likes of, I think my first proper cinema memory was probably something like Superman 3. Yes. Or the scary Return one. Of the Jedi, the scary one with the sequence where Anne Ross, who plays Robert Fawn's sister, yeah. gets turned into a murderous robot. And that is probably still one of the scariest things I've ever seen. 
I'm so glad you said that. I had, I genuinely, I saw that. I don't know how old, and I was so scared. And yeah. I never, I've never watched Superman three since. Cause really? I imagine it being too, just too terrifying. <laughs> That's like one of my. I've forgotten that. That's like one of my traumatic images: is the woman being turned into a robot. I was terrified. Yeah, terrified. Because uh, she, she, um, she gets sucked into this machine. Mm. That's at once. It's, it's, it's a huge com- supercomputer. That Richard Pryor has built. Yeah, <laughs> that's how crazy this film is. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is after he skis off the roof of a building and lands in the street completely intact. Uh, so he builds a supercomputer, becomes self-aware. So it's a, it's a yeah. warning of the dangers of artificial intelligence, and it, it drags Anne Ross, who's this horrible, nasty, venal woman, and uh, drags her into this this thing, mm. and perhaps because of her personality, turns her into an evil doom robot with her red eyes yeah. and there's a moment where she opens her eyes and her eyes are just pure glowing red and that stayed with me for a long long time so I remember seeing Lat in the cinema I remember seeing Return of the Jedi in the cinema as oh, well uh, where we made a special trip from Newcastle in Northern Ireland where we were having a, a family holiday to my local cinema which was the Ive Cinema in Banbridge and that was really really exciting are you, um, you, just you and your sister I don't know if my sister was there. She was there on the holiday, but she wasn't really into films the way I was. And so I think it was me and maybe a couple of the kids from the caravan site. That's where we used to stay. We used to stay at a caravan site. And so we would have driven all the way into Banbridge, 25-mile journey, to to go and see Return of the Jedi. So those are probably the first things I remember seeing in the cinema. And then I also remember, and I won't say any names in case this isn't entirely accurate, but I remember... The headmaster at the school that I went to, the primary school I went yeah. to, would now and again, like as a treat, show us films, like show the entire school films. Right. Was Northern Irish primary schools, so it was about three people and a, and a donkey. <laughs> but he would show us the, these movies. And I'm not, if I'm completely honest with you, I'm not entirely sure about the origin of the films. I'm not entirely sure about where he got them from because... One film I remember seeing yeah. is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yeah. And I don't think it was technically out whenever he showed it to us. <laughs> was it filmed on a camcorder <laughs> with people walking past it? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it was it was decent quality, but I, I'm not entirely sure that he didn't get it You saw E.T. before Spielberg. <laughs> We gave him that's notes how, in the ending. That's how dodgy. E.T. died at the end as we, we brought him back. <laughs> Stephen, this is too depressing, yeah. mate. I checked it with my kids. <laughs> they were in tears, mate. Yeah. You need to bring them back. Oh, wow. Yeah. You're I, a pirating headmaster. Yeah, I might be. I don't want to cast aspersions here. And uh, he may you know, he may have passed on. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, yeah, he also showed us Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock wow. the next year. So we would all assemble in the school canteen. Mm. And he would have he would wheel in the TV with the video player and hook up E.T. the Extraterrestrial. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure it was released in VHS. <laughs> Even you, I don't. I'm going to work for him, but I know this shit. Yeah, video piracy is a crime. <laughs> Do not accept it. You wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. So you liked it. You always liked it. You remember going up, like, this is great, even though yeah. Superman 3 was traumatising. Oh, yeah. Superman 3 was traumatising, mm. uh, but E.T. was was brilliant in that other magical way. Uh, I'm not sure it made me cry. We'll get on to that in a second, I'm, I'm sure. But I'm not sure E.T. made me cry. Right. Because I was fighting the tears okay. uh, for, you know, even for a five-year-old. Listen, you grew up in a tough environment, and if, that's, if that was how they, they made you hard, <laughs> was if you cry in E.T., you get a slap. <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> That's a really good way to have another kid, actually. It really is. 
And besides, you couldn't cry. You know, people couldn't see the tears through the balaclava anyway. So. <laughs> okay. So, uh, what is the film that made you? What's the film that made you cry the most? Let's do it. All right. Okay. So, I didn't cry in films for years, years and years and years and years and years. The only film that ever made me cry yeah. up until a certain point in my life was The Jungle Book. Wonderful. Don't know why, but it made me cry every single time I saw it. At the same point, Which even point? though I knew that it was a fake out, it's a point Baloo where dying? Baloo dying, right? And I knew that he was just just pretending. Second yeah. time I saw it, first time I saw it, absolute floods of tears. Yeah. Second time I saw it, which was pretty soon after, because I'm I'm a multiple watcher. I go back and watch things over and over again if I really like them. And the second time I saw it, I knew he was knew he was pretending. Yeah. Still floods of tears because Disney man they manipulate you, don't yeah. they? They just they get you. Uh, so it was a chunk of book for years and years and years, and then it's it because became... it's sweet when he does his it little is... look. It's little eyes open. Yeah, and... it's 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 moving. It's terribly moving. I know. That's because they get you. They know how to get you. Yeah. And they you know they got me again eventually right. down the line, but it became a badge of honor. I grew up in a household. My sister, and my mother in particular, were criers. At films, like just anything. I remember them watching The Champ, you know, the... I mean, God. And just... Oh, God. That was just the opening credits. They were in floods of tears. (laughs) Never mind when he carks it at the end. Yeah, it's... And so they were just crying constantly, constantly, constantly. And so as a badge of honour, I was like, I'm not going to cry. Right. No film is going to make me cry. Do your worst, Hollywood. And Hollywood did over the years. And I would always... You know at that point where you're... You're watching the film and you can feel you're about to cry. Yes. And you're just mm-hmm. and you're at that you're at that point and you know if someone speaks to you you're gonna go. But luckily they're all watching the film, so it doesn't happen. And I was at that point loads and loads of times in my life, but never crossed the threshold. Wow. Yeah. Until until, you know, until, this is the heavy okay. part. Until my mum died. Okay. And then that my mum died in two thousand and six. Right. And it was relatively unexpected. I, you know, I was you know, she'd been sick all her life, but you know, when the end came, it actually came fairly quickly, and so that really shocked me. That was for the first time there was mm. a real uncorking, if you will, yeah. an emotional uncorking. And I just after that, there was a period where literally anything would make me cry. Yeah. The most ridiculous, inane nonsense would make me cry. I have very strong memories of being at the Cannes Film Festival uh, with my good friend and colleague at the time, Sam Toy, and he was. We used to do daily video diaries and he would edit them and I would sit beside him just chipping in every now and again. Do that. No, change that bit. Change that. Uh, no, that's Can you make me look better? Can you do anything about my hair? No. Okay, thanks. <laughs> and I would, I would, I was watching like an episode of House. Yeah. There's an episode of House in which uh, Robert Sean Leonard's girlfriend dies in a bus crash and he gets to say good, goodbye to her at the end of the episode. Mm. And I would, I had to run to the toilet to I was sobbing so hard because right. I didn't want Sam to be distracted and I just had to put my headphones down and run. Mm. And it was just like an, an uncorking thing. So yeah. um, after that, I think yeah, everyone's going to say this, but up, up oh, got me, yeah. up got me hard and not in the sex way, but yeah. in a, oh, in a tears, in a tears <laughs> flowing down my face kind of way. It's weird that quite wasn't on the poster. Up got me hard. <laughs> Chris, you, nah, we're not going to use that one, but thank you for sending it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you guys don't understand. Like rock hard, <laughs> and I'm never hard. <laughs> we frown upon that kind of thing in Northern Ireland. We don't uh, like it. That's um, that's very interesting. I totally get that. I think it's de- 
Has, has the court gone back in, or is it still no? Out? It's it's still it's still out. I nearly cried the day at the, the Coldplay movie for, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah. uh, you know, just like how nice they were and how successful they were, <laughs> how lovely they've been to everybody. It's like, oh, that's really sweet. It's really lovely. There's a moment where they're playing to like I don't know a trillion people in Brazil, and right. the crowds just you know everyone's got this glow sticks and it was just lit up beautifully. And I was just, oh, this is so they worked so hard. They deserve this. <laughs> but yeah, Up really got me because Up fundamentally was about a man carrying on after the death of his wife mm. and I just saw so much of my dad in that at the right. time because it hit him really hard the death yeah. of my mum and the moment towards the end it's not just necessarily married life montage which even now just talking about it makes me squirt a few again not in the sex way and sorry, and, uh, and it's the end the end when he finds when Carl finds the scrapbook oh, yeah. and That's there's a message from his wife basically saying go on live your yeah. life and I, I just saw so much of my dad in that you know in that moment and I, I was watching the can and you know the tears were pulling up at the bottom of my 3D glasses it was yeah. uh, it was like oh this is what it feels like to cry in a movie this is this is alright I might do this again this is, this <laughs> am is I cool. doing it right yes. <laughs> yeah. are they going down my face <laughs> this is good this is good it's cathartic wow yeah have you seen Searching on a side note the John Chai film? no I haven't it's really excellent yeah, uh, really, really good. And the beginning is like there's a sort of montage, family, basically like up, but in the first ten minutes, but with using just computer. Oh yeah, really, it's really all on the screen. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's a really good. I'd recommend it. Oh man, yeah, no, it's like the... up. It's it's the computer screen of up. <laughs> it's like a screensaver. <laughs> it got me hard. So, uh, <laughs> uh, what is the film that scared you the most? Oh, okay, I've got a few for this. Do you like horror films? <laughs> I love horror films. Right. I'm a horror guy because my parents were really laissez-faire with my movie watching when I was growing up. I watched all sorts of stuff that I just shouldn't have been watching when well, I was. Your headmaster like... was probably sneaking in videos <laughs> from the future, <laughs> horror films that haven't been made yet. <laughs> he was like, "Boys, I've got Hereditary. <laughs> what? <laughs> you won't believe this. You won't believe what happens by half an hour. Whoop! No spoilers. <laughs> Can I just say a quick thing about Hereditary? Yes." That, uh, sadly, this was debunked recently because I had uh, the good fortune to talk to the director, Ari Aster. Yeah. But someone told me, I think it was the screenwriter, Kevin Lehane, who wrote Grabbers a few years ago. If you remember that movie, the Irish movie was Ar- Aliens oh, of Fate. Yeah, okay. Aliens of Fate, Ireland. And in order to, have, to avoid being attacked by these sort of graboid type creatures, the populace has to get drunk. <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, so it's a really, really fun movie. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Lehane told me a theory that and spoiler alert by the way for hereditary mm-hmm. that there is a spoiler embedded in the title itself so hereditary mm-hmm. okay slow that down hered it a tree oh my god this made me feel sick <laughs> and he, he said no, no debunked but he loved the idea did he say well i guess it is i mean it is he said it is now yeah <laughs> but there wow. it is not to spoil things, but someone's head hits a tree. It's one of the most yeah. horrific scenes I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah. Not fun. Not fun. Not fun. But yeah, so there you go. That, That's great. That little theory it. debunked, but yeah, it's all good. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Death of the author. It's true. <laughs> what, um, so, Top Gone, what's your film that scared you the most? I've got, I've got a few. I've got a few. Um, I think, weirdly enough, for someone who doesn't think that there's a heaven or hell or God or Satan... I like to hedge my bets. Mm-hmm. And I think supernatural biblical horror really unnerves me. Okay. Because 
because you might a, be wrong. I might be wrong. Yeah. And there's a chance it might be true and uh, I'm screwed. Yeah. Because I've, I've doubted too much. Uh, so the omen, which is really... I like the omen. I love the omen, but I think some horror purists are rolling their eyes going, what the hell? That That's the film that scared them the most. But I, there's something about the omen or something about the... Uh, implacable nature of the of the of the evil in that, and the fact that it's one of the first films I can remember watching where the heroes lost, mm. and that really spoiler alert that really yeah. that really upset me, and and got into my brain, and then that Jerry Goldsmith score, which to this day, if it comes on my iPod or iPhone, whatever they have these days, uh, I have to mostly skip. Cause it's, check the lights run. Yeah, because it's some great. scary shit. And that's Richard Donner. That's Richard is, Donner, yeah. I think Richard Donner is like Rob Rayner in the... Why aren't Richard Donner and Rob Rayner always in Best Directors of All Time list? Because, and it's because they make fucking amazing different films rather than the same yeah. film over and over again. You go, he made Lethal Weapon and <laughs> The Omen and Conspiracy Theory yeah, yeah. and Superman. Yeah. I mean, what are we Lady Hawk. Lady, the, I mean, it's... the Goonies. Although we'll get onto that later on as well. Oh, but, okay. But, you know, but yeah, he's incredibly versatile. And the thing is, he made the Omen and then followed it up with Superman. Yeah, and both are weirdly enough about children coming to this earth yeah. and finding that they have powers beyond that's true mortal comprehension. I just I realized this the other day. I was like, yes, the Omen's like evil Superman. Yeah, precisely. Superman three. <laughs> Guys, what say? Giant scary robot lady. Scary, right? yeah. yeah, the omen. The omen terrifies me. And most recently, uh, I saw a film called The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh yeah, yeah. You seen that? Yeah, Scott yeah. Derrickson. Scott Derrickson directed it, and that that unnerved me deeply because there's a there's a, a motif that runs all the way through the film. Yeah. And Scott Derrickson's a really a true believer, so I think that really that oh, seeps into the bones of his movie. He's a Christian, a very very devout Christian. And he's got really interesting ideas. What else on, did on he faith. do? Did Doctor Strange? He oh, did. Okay. Uh, what else did he do? He did that remake of The Day of the Earth Stood Still. He did Sinister, as well. So oh, he's, a, he's a horror guy right. as well. But the Exorcism of Emily Rose. There's a there's a motif runs through the film about uh, three a.m. being the mm. the hour at which evil. Yeah, and yes. evil is in, is in dominion over the world, and the the demon in the film appears always at three a.m. And I came home that night and I did not sleep a fucking wink. And I had the lights on at 3 a.m. And I was just waiting for the clock to tick around. Yeah. Like, just what was I expecting to happen? Like, something just to manifest itself and just grab me, you know. But, yeah, that terrified right. me. It stayed with me. And I, I told Scott Derrickson that. He said, yeah, I've had that a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of people have said that to me. Do you? Does your wife like horror films or is it no. something you do separate? Hates them. Right. Hates them. Can't do it. Can't abide them. Uh, doesn't <laughs> doesn't see the point of them. Uh, I yeah. try to show her my, uh, well, I try to show her Evil Dead too. Right. In fact, it's a fun I, one. I yeah, it's a film I love. It's a film I love uh, deeply and truly, and it is completely gory and stupid, and it's got mm. blue blood and green blood, and it's yeah. totally not realistic at all. And I did a, I put a screening of it on the Phoenix and East Finchley a couple of years ago, Great. midnight screening of it, and. <sighs> She had to leave the cinema like after half an hour. Really? Yeah. Uh. And you know, she tried to come back in again. And, you know, I went out with her, and we had a bit of a, you know, it's okay, it's fine. You know, she really can't do. It. She can't do it. And you know, but really interestingly, she keeps wanting to watch The Exorcist. Right. And I'm like, no. It's going to be worse than The Evil Dead. Too. <laughs> no, I'm not showing you The Exorcist <laughs> because I want you to sleep again. 
I'll stay up all night. You've got to sleep. My name is Asti. Yeah. I've got to worry about death, for the love of God. Kind of two of us doing it. Do you, um, can I ask you a question? It's very private, so don't answer if you don't, but I'm interested as a, as a film guy who's married, and I met your wife, and she likes films and stuff, but she doesn't like horror films. Is, is mm. film a part of your, like, the reason I bring this up, John Dreaver, director of Super Bowl. Yeah. Amazingly, his woman of forever, not married, but his woman of forever, <laughs> does films. not like films. <laughs> to the extent that I'm like, I don't quite, like, you know, they're amazing together. She's amazing. But he said he made a decision early on. Oh, well, film is not something we can really do together. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> and I wondered in your life where film is such a big thing, is it is it a joint thing with your wife? Or is it like, I do film and we'll, no, we'll no, see no. you later? No, we, 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 we met on Empire. So, oh really? Yeah, films, films a big thing for her. Oh great! Um, so yeah, she, just she, not horror. Just not horror. Absolutely okay. not. I've shown her a couple of horror films over the years. I showed her John Carpenter's The Thing, which uh, is one of my favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. and uh, she was okay with that. Okay. Uh, but other things like I, she couldn't get more than ten minutes into Dawn of the Dead either version. Oh, just wow. couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Uh, and I, yeah, yeah, she just has a, a bit of a. Bit of a blind spot when it comes to horror movies. Absolutely fine. Mm. Absolutely fine. Mm. <laughs> okay, I bet you've got some really interesting ones here. I hope. What is the film that most people say is bad, it's critically derived? I mean, other than Attack of the Clones, <laughs> that you <laughs> that you stand by. You go, you're all wrong. This film's wonderful. Yeah, um, pretty much anything starring Arnold Schwarzenegger that isn't okay. the Terminator or. Predator, uh, Commando. Commando, Commando, I think. Yeah. I think Commando is by any sane metric a one-star movie. But <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. I want, when, I, <laughs> when I was a kid, I once watched it six times in a day. I believe be- you. Because my parents didn't care <laughs> what I was watching. <laughs> didn't care what the headmaster had given you to take out. <laughs> yeah, he was like, look, look, look at this. Look at this. There's a bit where he kills like 300 guys. Go watch it. Tell your friends. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, definitely Commando, which is, it's an awful, awful movie. When was the last time you saw Commando? Not since school. Mm. Not, not since school, I don't think I've seen yeah. it. But I, I think it, we still quote it, if I'm correct. Is it like where he drops a man from his shoelaces? Yes. Does that happen? Yeah, yes. okay. I think, yeah. and is it the one where, don't wake my friend, he's dead? Yeah, dead. Tired. dead. He's dead. Tired. I had a T-shirt. It doesn't fit me anymore, sadly. I had a T-shirt that had the faces of all the Commando bad guys, and underneath them was the method of dispatch, oh, wow. which is usually in a in a one-liner. So, David Patrick Kelly, who plays Sully, he's the guy who drops over the cliff. And he goes, "Remember, Sully, when I said I'd kill you last," and uh, Sully goes, "Yeah, that's right, Matrix, you're dead." He goes, "I lied," and drops him over a cliff, and he kills Bill Duke in a hotel room, and he goes. Oh, what's, what's he, how does he dispatch Bill Duke? Because um, <laughs> he goes, I could eat green berets for breakfast. And he punches him. I think he just punches his head off or something. <laughs> but then he, he breaks a guy's neck in the airplane and goes, don't disturb my friend, he's dead tired. And, <laughs> and then, of course, it's the, the end where he thrusts a metal pipe into the stomach of, of the main bad guy, Bennett, played by Fernand Wells. And he goes, and steam comes out the end of the pipe. And he goes, right. let off some steam, Bennett. It's like he has a team of writers off. It's off like stage. a rice comic, isn't it? He? The rice comic <laughs> who kills people. <laughs> that's what Commando is. It's just rice battle with weapons. Yeah, what, so that's bad. That's, that's a, a good bad one. Film. What is a film that you used to love 
Mm-hmm. And then you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh, no, I don't love this anymore for various reasons. Yeah. I mentioned it already, but the Goonies. Really? Yeah. <gasps> I think a lot of people are going to be upset by this. I know. I know. Now, but... I haven't rewatched it in a long time, so can you tell me your reasons? Um, I, I revisited this a few years ago because I was interviewing uh, Richard Donner <laughs> and I wanted to, you know, obviously rewatch as many of his films as I possibly could. And I rewatched the Goonies, and the scales fell from my eyes a little bit yeah. because I worshipped the Goonies when I grew up. Yeah. I I saw it loads of times on video. Uh, I had the novelization, which I would just read voraciously. I think there was a moment in my life where I was like, "Oh man, I would love to be Mikey." Not Brandt, but you yeah, know, yeah, not yeah, the yeah. cool guy, but just you know, the, the yeah. Sean Astin type. You had realistic expectations. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah. Who it's like, you- who yeah, could be in the Goonies. <laughs> Precisely, it's like, I, like I aspire to be in Sam in <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> Never be the main guy. Yeah, Always be the guy just behind the main guy. Uh, That's nice. And so I love the Goonies. I, I, loved, I loved those characters. I love Data and Mouth and Chunk, uh, who, weirdly enough, physically I'm aspiring to be at the moment. <laughs> and I, I just loved that film to bits. Mm. And then I watched it again a few years few years ago, and I found it was shrill. And I, maybe this is just, I got older, Brett. I got wiser. No. I got, well, a little not wiser. You. I got a lot older and I got a little wiser. <laughs> and I realized that they were just horrible twats, a lot of them. Oh, no. Yeah. Stick them down the well. All of them. Introduce me to Did one you end up, were you sort of Josh Brolin? You were on his side, didn't you? Like, <laughs> Push him off. I was, I was on the side of the Fratellis by, by the end of it. I was like, kill them really? all. Yeah. They're just annoying kids. They're just annoying kids. I think. I mean, Mouth is just an arsehole. Right. You know, he needs. He needs. Can we advocate violence against children in this? I guess we can. If they're fictional, just punch them repeatedly. Uh, that is uh, just to just to repeat. That is fictional children. Fictional children. Punch repeatedly fictional children. Punch <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> but if they are not currently appearing within your TV screen, then do not. Punch don't them. punch any children. No. Unless there is a screen between you and that child, <laughs> and it's fictional, and it's not a documentary, and it's not CCTV that you've set up in your house, so you can yes. leave your child. Don't do that. Don't punch the TV either; it hurts. Just leave children out. Just, just do okay. you know what? Should we, I, I can go back and just let's reiterate. Just be clear. Don't punch children. Yeah, people. People. Why not? No punching. I feel like I've learned a lot here. <laughs> Violence is not an answer unless you're in an 80s film, in which violence is always the answer. <laughs> it's also the question, I think, in 80s films. Like, how violent can we be? And the answer is really violent. Uh, here's my favourite question. Yeah. What is the film mm-hmm. that has the most meaning to you? Not necessarily because the film is so great, mm-hmm. but because of the experience you had around watching it. It might have been a first date. It might have been a day you lost a job, got a job, someone yeah, died. Yeah, yeah. What's the answer? Uh... I'm going to be soppy again and go for a film that I loved watching with my parents, especially my mum. Yeah. Uh, which is Yankee Doodle Dandy. Ah. Uh. Which is Jimmy Cagney playing George M. Cohan, who was the guy who wrote Over Lair and obviously Yankee Doodle Dandy and lots of really rousing patriotic songs in the mm. 1920s. And uh, it's a really, it's a, it's a fairly straight ahead biopic, but my mum. My mom and dad weren't really into films right. that much. My dad, in particular, he would—he loved his westerns. He loved his Clint Eastwood movies. He loved his uh, Steven Seagal films. Uh, my mom didn't really watch anything, uh, but she did watch, on, on a loop, it seemed, Yankee Doodle Dandy, hmm. the Jolson story. 
Oh, really? And Jolson sings again, which was the she sequel. She loved the Jolson. She loved the Jolson. And only now do I see how problematic Carl yeah. Jolson is. Um, Who played him in... Did it, was it the Larry, same actor in both? Yeah, Larry Parks played him in, in both films. Um and Al Jolson, even though he had only had one lung at that point in his life, wow. uh, did all the singing. As really? Well. Yeah. Oh, wow. So it's uh, yeah, it's really interesting that they they found enough in Al Jolson's life, to or Asa Jolson as he's actually known, uh, to get two films out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's mad. Like we got, we got this glut now, don't we, of musical biopics? Bohemian Rhapsody's just come out, and Rocket Man's coming, and. Mm. Yeah, so something, something in the water. But none of them, you know... None of them are franchises. Like none of the franchises. Jolsons. Like the Jolsons. Jolsons. So, <laughs> <Jew-ology. laughs> That's it. The Jolsonology. The Jolson, yeah. Jolsonology. Um, so, uh, yeah, I would watch this film with my mum and she would just, you know... She was uh, a night owl, so she wouldn't... She wasn't very well. So she would sleep uh, really weird hours. Mm-hmm. And so I would just remember staying up through the wee small hours of the morning and watching Yankee Doodle Dandy like constantly and as a kid you just kind of go well I wasn't really in a position to go there are other films mum yeah. <laughs> you know Jimmy Cagney was pretty good he was in all this other yeah. stuff as well but yeah she loved those films that's a lovely that's lovely that is lovely Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast in each episode Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy winning comedy series you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Okay, Chris, I'm sure I'm almost scared. You're one of the few guests I'm scared to ask this question. (laughs) Because I don't know where you're going to go with it. What is the film that you thought was the sexiest? <laughs> oh, God. He laughs like a Marvel well, villain. Well, The Goonies was... Uh... <laughs> um, Al Johnson, yes, he was problematic, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Um, no, I, I, I'm going to go fairly conventional here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to go for Emmanuel. Okay. Which was um, a film that was a big moment for me in my life, mainly because I didn't, I watched it by accident. Oh, wow. So we didn't have Sky growing up because we couldn't afford it. And so yeah. a friend of my dad's did have Sky. And so I would point out films that I wanted to be taped off Sky. And my dad would give this guy a tape and he would tape the films and then he would oh, give yeah. them to me. And I was like, oh, I'd love to see Reanimator. I haven't seen Reanimator. So I'd like to see that, please. So he taped Reanimator. And uh, at the end of Reanimator, Emmanuel was next. And he left the tape running. Ah. And so suddenly I just had this effectively porn. It was brilliant because Reanimator ticked most of my boxes. (laughs) Emmanuel Emmanuel finished you up. (laughs) 
What? What's her name? Krista? Sylvia Christel. Sylvia Christel. Yeah. I've never seen uh, any Emmanuel films, but oh, I'm aware of dreadful. The Gist. Well, actually, I'm not even. It's the a, gist, it's a French, I think it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a French woman being naked a lot. What's the story of Emmanuel? I don't think there is a story. Right. As far as I could tell, I, I would, I, come on, Brad, I wasn't interested in the story of Emmanuel. <laughs> I was interested in all the rutting that was going on. Right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was interesting. And, uh, yeah, so Sylvie Christelle, I think she's playing a bored housewife right. in high society. Okay. And she has dalliances and encounters with, you know. So it's like Belle de Jour without the art. <laughs> yes. Less art, more arse. Uh, right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that, that 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 lodged itself in my in my mind. Oh God, what a treat! Yeah. I bet you kept saying to your friend, "I mean, Reanimator is good." <laughs> okay, are, you, are you watching Reanimator again? Yeah, it's very long, isn't it? Reanimator. <laughs> Don't come in; it's scary. <laughs> I, I find it draining. <laughs> no, honestly, you'll hate. It. It's really violent. <laughs> it's four hours. Yeah. Yep. What's all that? Fr- is it foreign? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's an art house movie. You wouldn't understand the subtitles. That's probably a way you could like get people to you know just repel people in Northern Ireland. You just get subtitles. <laughs> oh, I'm not doing that. Right, I don't want to do out. that reading stuff. No way. <laughs> I pay to watch a film, not read it. We're going out there in a few. Um, <laughs> That's the tragic wanking accident right there. <laughs> yeah. My parents coming in and finding me. Oh. 16 years old, trousers around the ankles. Dick in the VHS player. <laughs> Dick in the VHS player. <laughs> Electrocuted himself, <laughs> watching Emmanuel. And unfortunately, the tape's gone back to the beginning, so it's just a reanimator on the screen. They're going, oh my God. This was, this was very odd. Well, there is a moment in, in reanimator where uh, a decapitated head of the bad guy goes mm. down on a woman. So That could be the moment. Imagine if that was the moment that they'd found me. Hmm. What do you think your eulogy would be? Well, he died as he lived. We thought as much. <laughs> he died as he lived, wanking over a decapitated head, <laughs> having set going down on someone else. Oh. He will be missed. Uh, what? Okay, there's a side category, which, again, I'm telling The side category is subcategory. Side category. Troubling boners, <laughs> worrying why <wide> don't. <laughs> and he filmed that you you know you found sexy but you thought I definitely don't think I'm supposed to this yeah. is this is I'm not happy about this but it's happening I think I think uh the one that, st- that springs to mind yeah is Roadhouse okay but, when he's but, sweeping up an eye <laughs> yeah <laughs> when Sam Elliott appears that moustache and I just went <laughs> yeah, wow wow this is yeah transformative uh Roadhouse it, Patrick Swayze Go Patrick on. Swayze which I discovered today because mm. I was doing a little bit of research not into this weirdly enough but I discovered today that it was shot by the great DP Dean Cundy who did lots of John Carpenter's great stuff so mm. Halloween The Fog The Thing he also did Jurassic Park as well Death Becomes Her Back to the Future did Jurassic Park he did Jurassic Park, yeah. He did uh, Back to the Future. He did Big Trouble in Little China as well. Yeah. Amazing, amazing DP. He's the Richard Donner of DPs. Oh, mate. Dear God, he's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Endlessly versatile. Lovely, lovely guy. Yeah. Uh, so he shot this film as well, Roadhouse, presumably on a, like a weekend off right. <laughs> or something. But it's clearly meant to be a very sexy film, right? So Patrick Swayze mm. is, is sexy. Sam Elliott sexy. Kelly Lynch is sexy. Uh, but the reason that it, gave, it troubled me is the company that I saw it in, which was... 
was someone very close to my family mm. and who was introducing me to the film. And there was a sex scene between Patrick Swayze and Kelly Lynch on a roof that for some reason uh, hit me in the sweet spot, so to, so to speak. Right. And I moved my legs, Brett. I moved my legs to sh- shield my growing discomfort. Yeah. And he became aware of that. Oh, no. You know? And there was just a moment when I was just sitting there going, oh, he knows I've got an erection. (laughs) And now I know that he knows I've got an erection. And that was just just mortifying. There's nothing Mm. worse than watching a sex scene with a figure of authority, I think. Yeah. And having or being aware of inappropriate um, erections in the room. Mm -hmm. It's It's not good. What's the film you most related to? I don't know. This is a tough one because um, I think nothing really. Okay. I, I like to watch films in terms of the films I really, really love that, that I truly, truly love mm-hmm. are escapism for me. And yeah. I don't see anything myself because look at me uh, in any of the heroes of the films I truly love, whether it's, you know, The Thing or Die Hard or even The Shawshank Redemption, which has a sort of schlub at at the center of its uh, center of its action but i kind of think that because i was thinking about this and i think that maybe maybe mm-hmm. maybe and i don't mean physically but jerry Maguire is okay. something yeah. that really touched me and i really saw again not in the sex way but i really saw it i saw something of what i wanted to be in him i love jerry Maguire. it's an amazing film isn't yeah, it yeah i really and, really love it Cruise is great in that. Yeah. And did he even get nominated for an Oscar? I'm not sure. Uh, he did. He did. I think so. Yeah, he should have won. Get it. Yeah. I don't know who he was up against, but he should have won. Yeah. Uh, he's really great. And it's about a uh, a guy. I saw it when I, again, it was in the sweet spot. I saw it when I was about 18, 19. I saw it at university. And I remember very distinctly leaving the cinema with a feeling that I wanted to change my life. I wanted to change my approach to life because I just, I'm someone who kind of lets life happened to him in right. a way and I still am to a great extent I didn't change my life spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> I didn't change my attitude it lasted precisely 10 minutes <laughs> walk home and uh, but I just remember being so energised by it and so yeah. inspired by it uh, because he's a guy he's you know he's on the way to becoming soulless a soulless automaton he's a sports agent and he one day he has this epiphany he wakes up he writes this this you know this this mission statement as mm-hmm. it's called in the film and he says basically we should we should try to be better people we should try and you know be nice to each other we should why are we doing this why are we taking money from this this yeah. this this business that we're in and it goes down badly for him but it it ends up okay and i just think it's one of the sweetest most romantic i mean you have me at hello it's just it's an all timer yeah. Uh, it's the most romantic, it's funny, it's insightful, it's a glorious, glorious film, and it just made me want to be. <laughs> you know, this is a really horrible uh, bastardization of Cameron Crowism, but it made me want to be a better me in, yeah. a, in a weird way. And like I said, it lasted 10 minutes, and <laughs> but for, for, for a second, yeah. just for a second, I, uh, I thought, yeah, there's a character I can identify with. That's great. Yeah. That's so wonderful. I love that film so much. It's great, isn't it? I also have a theory about Jerry Maguire. I don't know if you share this or not. That one reason I think Jerry Maguire is so good is I don't think he does love Renny Zellweger. Whoa! I think that it's like a realistic, like as in she's not the one if such a thing exists. He's. I think he's 
I think she's great and they're great together and he loves the kid yeah. and he's sort of aware that as a unit they are better than him alone. But but it isn't like they're not soulmates. They're not in the way that Cuba Gooding Jr. and his wife are. They're like meant to be. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with Jerry Maguire, it's like this. I don't think he ever... It, all the way through the film, she loves She loves him. She's infatuated by him. She loves him. She looks up to him. And constantly through the film, he sort of lets her down, not intentionally, but part of it is because he's not in love with her. He's not madly in love with her, and she is with him. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that changes. I think what changes at the end is his acceptance of this is a better life. I don't think it's wow. the most, like... I don't know if this is really dark, but I think it's like a... I've met people. I, I remember meeting. I remember having a discussion with a friend of mine's mum, and her saying to me, and she she had a wonderful family, and she said, you know, he wasn't the one. Her husband. Uh-huh. She was like, but I knew I'd have a wonderful life with him, and I have. And so it's sort of not the most wow. romantic idea. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's like, and I think that's what Jerry Maguire is. I think at the end he goes, "You're the best thing for me," mm-hmm. even though I don't. He doesn't say. <laughs> This is why he just says hello, because what he'd want to say is, the caveat is, I don't feel especially powerfully, Uh lustily, romantically for you. I just care about you very much, and I know this is great. You've blown my mind with that, because I think you're you're right. Yeah. I think you're onto something, because even at the end, when they're together, and they've got the the kid, and everything's going really well Mm. for them, and and they've got the house, the business is on a good footing. Yeah. Yeah. He's never that into it. He loves the kid. The kid is his... Yeah. Is his when Cuba Gooding Jr. sort of calls him out, but he does love the kid. The love, the sort of purest love he has is for that kid. But he's aware that that kid is part of her. It's the unit. That's what I I think it's a really interesting love story that isn't like most. When he's running to get her, it isn't like, you're the one, you were always the one. It's like, this is better. Yeah, 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 you'll do. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe one day I will find the one and then this is going to be awkward, but for now. Oh, better with you. I'm so glad there hasn't been a sequel. Well, yeah, that would too. be devastating. Because yeah. you're right, because even when he goes and says, you know, that, that that he kind of makes that grand proclamation, doesn't he, uh, in front of her uh, sister's support group. We live in a cynical, cynical world, he said. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I'm drunk. about to make a cynical decision. <laughs> <laughs> he's drunk, yeah, so he doesn't, yeah. he's not maybe necessarily doing it from the best place. Oh, Brett, man, you've destroyed that film for me. Oh, no, I thought that's what makes it so interesting to yeah. me. I think it's more it's more good for that because it's complicated. For a film that's that is so full of kind of optimism and and it's, it is a romantic film in many... In romantic, yeah. Business-wise, it's romantic, you yeah. know. That's why it's my favourite. I think he's never been better than Jeremy Guy at Cameron Crowe. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the best film. It's just full of... You know, I could. This is very much my reading of it, and you no, don't think, have to take it. I think this makes sense because he's a big Billy Wilder fan, isn't he? And yeah. I think the ending of the apartment is really romantic, but at the same time, it yeah. kind of isn't. Absolutely, you know. You, I think that's know. a similar love yeah. story. In that, I don't entirely. It's not like Shannon McLean's going, "You're the one." Yeah, it's, no, it's more like yeah. this will be better. You'll do. This will be better. I think yeah. that's what he's saying. Stick around. Yeah. You're. Objectively, this is going to be better for me. Yeah. Even though you love me and I feel like, yeah, you're yeah. great. Shut up and deal. Shut up and deal. Shut up and make a deal. My God. Yeah. Mind blown. Thank you. Uh, I hope I haven't ruined it for you, though. No, 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 no. I'll still, I'll still knock it out. No, no, no. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll still... Oh, God. <laughs>
What is... Okay, now you know the difference, I think. Do I? What is the a film that objectively mm-hmm. you think is the greatest film of all time? Okay. Might not be your favourite, but mm. aliens come. They go, what is cinema? You go, it's this. Yeah. It, yeah. Ain't Citizen Kane, that's for sure. Well, what's that about? Just sled. Nonsense. Um, <laughs> I think objectively... I know a lot of people said The Godfather. Yes, they have. I think The Godfather 2 is better. Okay. Much better. But I'm going to say Shawshank Redemption. Okay. I think that is... Yeah, funny that hasn't come up, actually. Yeah. It's so weird. I mean, mm. it's it's as close... If it had a, if it had a, a musical sequence and some, some comedy aliens, it would be pretty much the perfect film. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's got... I'd like to see that one. The <laughs> because... deleted scenes. <laughs> Well, test audience has told us that the singing <laughs> no, aliens, aliens. Weren't, <laughs> they weren't testing well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, I think that's as close to being a, a perfect movie. And I still can't believe that it's Frank Darabont's first film. Oh, my God, I forgot. It's extraordinary. He did a wow. TV movie as a dry run. What was that? It was yeah. called Buried Alive, I think. Oh, right. Um, One of them. Yeah, which he did a couple of years, I think a couple of years beforehand. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no. Right. I haven't seen it. Like, very hard to track down sometimes TV movies. Or, or, although it's probably on YouTube. I haven't looked very hard. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Shawshank is, is a terrific film. Uh, that is one of the few films in my life that I have seen twice in one day. Oh, wow. In fact, because I'm such a weirdo, I saw it twice in a row. Uh, so I was home from university at my parents' house one summer and I rented it on video and I watched it in my room upstairs mm. and I just fell in love with it. I just thought it was the most glorious, gorgeous film. Yeah. And I immediately ran downstairs at, after it ended and said, you need to see this film. Uh. And I became a little bit evangelical with it in that way for, for quite a while, uh, a little bit like, you know, the Quentin Tarantino Rio Bravo test. Have you heard that? No. So uh, Tarantino, I'm sure he doesn't do this anymore, but he said that whenever, uh, for years, he would do the Rio Bravo test with prospective dates, that he would show women he was seeing Rio Bravo, and if they liked it, then he would continue to see them, and if they didn't, then he would show them the door. Right. Uh, And I didn't do that with Shawshank Redemption, but uh, I did. You did that with your family. I did it with my family to see what they... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Dad, there's no pressure here, but if you don't like this film... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am going to have to stop being your son. So, since I'm up to you, yeah. uh, yes, yeah, such a great movie. And I think, I think objectively, it's seen as a great film. It's uh, maybe wrong here, but I think it is the newest film that was number one on the IMDb yeah, list. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, maybe something like Inception's overtaken it in the in the years since. But uh, yeah, I just think it's an incredible film. Incredible and that achievement. is your Rio Bravo test. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's yeah. It's certainly a, a film that I would you know, I try and watch at least once a year if I can. That's a lovely answer. It's a beautiful film. Um, and then he made the mist, which is the <laughs> opposite of the message, isn't it? Yeah, the it really opposite is. message. The absolute opposite message, and that's what happens when you spend ten years work, working in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel? Uh, uh, I'm always. I'm really. You must know this. I'm sure you know much more about it than I do. But the you know the end of. Shawshank Redemption, where he arrives on the beach, uh-huh. was a reshoot. reshoot you know that? Yeah. 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 Bec- and I'm so fascinated by that because, to me, so for those of you who don't know, the film ends, the film originally ended with Morgan Freeman on a bus going, and I hope I'm going to see him soon. And that was it. Yeah. And test screenings were like, what? We have to- <laughs> <laughs> and so they filmed him on the beach arriving and yeah. them hugging. 
And it's one of them really interesting, like, sort of studio notes or whoever gave him that note where you go, I want to see them on the beach, like, as in, how could you not have ever... It's such a... It's course the heck you have to see them on the beach. <laughs> yeah. Crazy not yeah. to. It's, yeah, yeah, it's it's one of the best studio notes, I think, that Yeah, it's ever interesting been given. When, when the notes are right. Yeah. Also lose the comedy singing aliens and they have to reunite on the beach at the end. Chris, the only one at the test video. For fuck's sake, that's the best bit. <laughs> yeah, in the original shot, the, 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 the camera you know, tilts up at the end and you see the spaceship disappearing back. <laughs> we'll be back again. <laughs> uh, keep uh, redeeming and Shawshank. Um, yeah, it's, oh my God, it's so, it's so beautiful. I actually had a discussion the other day with someone who thinks that that ending is a dream. And, yeah, and, and I'd read, like Brooks before him, commit suicide, mm. and that's his dying fantasy. Him and Andy yeah. reunited on the uh, beach at Say What a Neu. Uh, no, that's clearly not. That's clearly not what happened. No, yeah, I hope not because no. that's that would be uh, that would no. be. Well, I feel like that would be. But then, if you watch The Mist, you'd be like, no, that might, that's probably what he meant. <laughs> uh, what yeah. is the film you can? Or have watched the most over and over again? When I was a kid, it was Police Academy. Right. Which uh, I absolutely adored. Mm -hmm. And the cinema that I mentioned, the IFA cinema in Banbridge, my mum knew the manager. And so she got me and my best friend in at the time to see Police Academy when we were seven years old. And it's a 15, and it's a pretty full-on 15. Yeah, it's got nudity in the back, hasn't it? And, of course, probably... Maybe the most famous blowjob scene in history. Go on. Do you remember that? <laughs> so more than Ghostbusters. More than oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. More uh, than Reanimator. More than Reanimator. It's a theme. Yeah. It is, isn't it? Yeah. yeah go on. No, my... I actually don't remember Police Academy. Okay. Very so, well, so go on. George Gaines plays uh, Commandant Lazard. Yeah. And he is making a speech, and Steve Guttenberg's impish and Mahoney has paid a prostitute to hide uh, in uh, under the podium, underneath a blanket, a blanket, right. a curtain under the podium. And so he's making his speech and he goes, and then all you hear is she pokes her head out and undoes his sip. And he goes, mm, and has to continue on with the speech while she's giving him a blowjob. Oh, also, there's a really interesting one in Swordfish where Hugh Jackman is yes. given a blowjob whilst having to hack into something with a gun to his head as well uh, in 30 seconds. But I don't know why these things... I don't I don't have a super cut of these things, Brett. I, <laughs> but if you'd like to see it, I can send you the Vimeo link. Afterwards. I didn't make it. It got sent to me. What am I meant to do? So it's... it's... The video kept recording. <laughs> so after Manuel, there was Police Academy. Yeah, on a loop. Yeah. Uh, and so it's one of the great... It, you should check it out. Police Academy hasn't held up well, but this sequence has because okay. his performance as he's going, slide two! <laughs> it's really, really funny. It's uh, yeah, it's so good. It's so good. So I watched Police Academy loads. Yeah. But my friend and I, we were seven, he was eight. When we first saw the sequence, we asked my mum, what's happening? What's happening in that sequence? What's what, what's she doing to it, Mum? What's your mum say? Well, she said Well here's the thing. I don't think my mum knew. Oh really? I really don't think she knew. She was quite blinkered. Wow. In the in the dating sexual of the police department. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think she knew. My wow. mum once had to ask my sister what a lesbian was. That's how blinker wow. she was. What did you, what did you, do you remember what she answered when you said, what's, what's she doing to you? I think she's just, she's just 
tickling him, tickling right. him. She maybe she did know, because there's kind she of was. truth in that, isn't there? She was in some ways. Mm. So that's your answer, Police Academy. Police Academy, and then over the years, you know, just throw a dart at the Marvel movie, and that's probably okay. the one I've yeah, seen most. Yeah, you really, you really go to town on them, don't you? I do. I love those corporate entertainments. Yeah, <laughs> bring it on. <laughs> uh, okay, now. What's yeah. the worst film you've ever seen? <sighs> so many, so many answers. Uh, so probably the likes of Batman and Robin, which is truly dreadful. I mean, they're, they're really, really bad films, like really, really yes. bad films that you just... Batman and Robin is absolutely extraordinary. I watched it again recently. It's extraordinary that ever happened. How did it's get extraordinary. Made? What were they doing? It's so weird. Yeah. What do you it's, find strange about it? Like, what's weird about it is it's... It's sort of more than a panto. Like, and I've been to a panto. <laughs> it's like they went to see, like, you know, when you always hear a director shows a film before the start of a shoot to go, like, this is the tone. It's like Joel Schumacher took the cast and crew to a panto and yeah. said, bigger than that. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> Do more than that. Oh, my God. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's very odd. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It is. It's, it, yeah. It's one of those things where the, the whole thing feels weirdly improvised yeah in a weird way and everyone's seen like Tommy Lee Jones everyone you think do you know what's going on you feel like mm. yeah the camera's just going and no one quite knows what they're doing but they're doing it really full of, almost like uh, like a drama exercise just shout the loudest you can shout and then we'll film and they went cut we've got it and went, oh no it wasn't that wasn't it yeah we'll use that then yeah weird. yeah there's some there's some very very strange ones but uh but you know, on, what's your worst I mean, there are some really shoddy horror films. Right. I mean, they're just really just not very good. Yeah. That that horror, really hard horror, hardcore horror aficionados will kill me for saying are, are terrible. But right. yeah, guys, Zombie Flesh Eaters is not a good film. It just isn't. It's just it's, get out. It's it's shoddy. It, yes, it has a bit where you know a shark attacks a zombie and whatnot, but it's bad. It's a bad film. It's just shoddily made. Okay. <laughs> Get out, get out. Yeah, that's another terrible film. What was that about? I didn't understand a word of that. No, that's that's obviously brilliant. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go for something I saw a few years ago, Project X, uh, which Ooh, is... the party. The party film. Party fan footage, yeah. party film. Which produced I, by Todd Phillips. Oh, my God. I did not Joel see Silver. it. It's purpose. a bad film, Brent. I... I have rarely been as angered by a film uh, as this one, so much so that I was commissioned to write 100 words for Empire and I wrote a 1,500-word review. And it's just, I have rarely seen a film that is so disagreeable. And, you know, maybe I'm being judgmental and whatnot in terms of the characters and what the the decisions they make. But I just thought it's a comedy and it's not funny. Um, And all the characters to to a man are detestable and mm. there's nothing wrong with that necessarily you know Travis Pickle we don't like him but we, we love spending time with him but you know if I may mm-hmm. I think what you what 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 it is mm-hmm. is when the characters are despicable mm-hmm. but you realise that the filmmakers think they're cool precisely that you're supposed to think they're great they're something like Travis Pickle is complicated Martin Scorsese knows he's complicated that is yeah. clear but when there's like look at these great guys and you're going these are awful yeah that's the difference, yeah. isn't it? If you spent more than five minutes in their company, you would want to claw someone's eyes out. Possibly you're... You'd want to say, can we change that rule on punching children? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically they're 17, so it's, <laughs> it's totally fine. Totally fine. Wow. Yeah, it's an awful, awful film. 
Uh, so naturally, they did really well at the box office, and they're still talking about a sequel. So, yay! Uh, Project Y. <laughs> yeah, Project Y. The fuck. <laughs> um, what is the film that made you laugh the most? Top Secret. Really lovely Top. answer. Oh my god, I love this film. I I love pretty much everything that Sucker Abrahams and Sucker did. So they're the guys that behind. Were you in charge airplane. of that uh, that piece, the in retrospective interview that they did for Top Secret? In Empire, yeah, yeah, that was great. That, yeah, I loved doing that. Really uh, great. That was fantastic. That was, yeah, that was great fun. It was one, one of one of one of my yeah favorite things I've done for Empire. And yeah, uh, yeah so Top Secret. In case people don't know what it is, uh, so uh, Jerry Sucker, David Sucker, and Jim Abrahams are the guys who made Airplane and and Naked Gun and Naked Gun. And in between mm-hmm. is Top Secret, which is a film not that many people have seen, but when you have seen it, it's impossible to unsee it. It's a completely and utterly bizarre movie that is a spoof at once of World War Two movies, Elvis movies, and puts them together in a strange, anything goes, completely surreal, brilliant side gags. And some of it has, I think, if you put the, together the top ten side gags in history, yeah, from from movies, and yeah, obviously, you know, you've got lots of Keaton and Chaplin in there as well. But I'd say there's at least three t- gags from Top Secret that would make that list. There's uh, not to spoil too much, but there's an amazing joke where two characters are on a train, and the train starts moving, and then the camera pulls back to reveal that it's a station that's moving. And the train, right. the train stays where it is, and a guy runs to catch the station as it goes off <laughs> into the great. distance. And it's just it's filled with little moments yeah. like that. It is gloriously bonkers, and uh, it never fails to reduce me to, to tears of laughter whenever I see it. It's amazing. I'm always amazed by like a gag like that. It's like Scrubs. Every time I watch Scrubs or anything, you go like the amount of work that goes into a two second joke. Oh yeah. You just think, fuck, was that a day? Did you spend a day? Was that a day set up for this one? I love it. So we've got to build a station. Yeah, okay, yeah, now we've got, yeah. to put it on, we've got to put it on wheels? How long is this bit? It's, it's going to be about half a second. Okay. <laughs> I also love this guy. It's Val Kilmer's first movie. Yeah. And he's brilliant in it. And he totally gets the sort of deadpan, playing it straight comedy. It has, yeah, it's got so many great jokes. It's fantastic. So seek it out. In Flopped. that in- interview you did, yeah, it was really interesting that they said... The reason Airplane works for so many people and was much more popular than Top Secret is because, and they didn't even realise it, was that because it, it had a story yeah. that they just copied from an Airplane <laughs> film, yes. whereas Top Secret didn't really have a story, didn't have yeah. a, like an emotional through line. Yeah, an Airplane accidentally, accidentally people he, they were like people actually care whether the airplane's going to land or not. You know, yeah. they're invested in it, whereas yeah. Top Secret's just like, well, here you go. <laughs> The top secret is basically, oh, here's a singer from 1950s America landing in what looks like 1940s East Germany. but it, yeah. So therefore, it has to be the 60s. What's going on? And it's uh, and now he's getting involved with the French underground resistance for some reason. Yeah, it's What's mad, happening it? in this film? I don't care because I laugh too much. But yeah, even Naked Gun has a story. It's a lovely answer. Um, Chris Hewitt from <laughs> Empire Magazine and The World. You've been a wonderful guest. Really, really wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh-huh. Um, when you died by... Uh, you've originally died by wanking, but then you saved yourself, right? I saved myself, yeah. I, that's my initial assumption. If, if someone came to me, as you mm. did, and said, you've died, first instinct is always, <laughs> what was I watching? You were watching on your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> Spunk. 
spunk the <laughs> Venom starring, poem parody. Starring Tom Hardy. You hadn't even got to the poem bit, and you, <laughs> and you died. It was the credits. But that was your first one, and then yeah. and then you had a second chance when you realised this was yeah. all up to you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I chose you didn't have to the die one that, way. that would actually involve pain. So I chose being killed by the, the Podiac killer. Yeah, you chose by yeah. this mysterious Podiac killer. We'll never know who he is. And what happened is, yeah. when that Podiac killer by putting a spike microphone through your head... Um, microphone. Yeah. Basically, it was proper embedded. And so when <laughs> they were burying it, they couldn't get it out. Couldn't get it out. And it was attached <laughs> to quite a lot of equipment. So they stuff you and all this equipment into the coffin and having oh, to like man. saw off the bit of the mic. Like there's just a lot going on in that coffin. Oh. And there's only room now because of all the equipment in there with you. And also maybe you can keep podcasting after you're dead because it's there. But anyway, <laughs> there's only room for one DVD to take with you. And on the other side, there's movie night. And one night it's your movie night. What are you taking with you? <laughs> would be mad if I didn't say a film that I had to No, it'd be before. great if you say so, yes. <laughs> For some reason, I don't know why, Game Night just popped into my head. Game Night, okay. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it, Game Night, He's why taking, not? Why not? No one else is taking it, because there'll have been three nights in a row where they've watched Godfather. So you're like, great, has anyone brought Game Night? No one. Great. <laughs> Thanks, Chris Hewitt, everyone says. to see a really great Jason Bateman comedy. It's a lovely film. It's a great film. Um, but that's not the film I would take, Brett. I mean, oh. we've got to be honest here. Oh, shit, I've, I've just closed the coffin. Oh, no. Oh, you're screaming. Hang on. Sorry, I've opened it again. <laughs> okay, oh, sorry. hey, hey, everyone. Hey. It's got to be Shawshank. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm going to be dead for a long time. Yeah. Possibly forever. Possibly. I haven't decided. And as much as I love Evil Dead 2... I haven't counted that we score yet. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I love Evil Dead 2, it's yeah. 85 minutes long. Mm. And that's like... Do my quick maths. 10 viewings a day, I get bored of it pretty quickly, even though right. it's perfect. Shawshank has a bit more meat in its bones. Yeah. And if you can reinsert the singing aliens and the musical sequence, Which then can, yeah. three hours long. Yeah. Bish bash bosh. Thanks very much. Lovely Repeat viewings. Oh, and Die Hard. Tell you what, here's, here's the thing. Yeah. Can I take my Marvel Cinematic Universe box set? Absolutely not. All right. Then in that case, I'd go. Um, you can take one of them. You'd have to pick your favourite. All right. Okay. Die Hard. Die Hard. Die Hard. Wonderful. I've changed. I've switched to the last moment. No one's taken it. You've taken it. Rickman. Lovely. He'll be pleased to see it. Um, Chris Hewitt, I'm packing you away. Oh, man. With Die Hard. Sending you off to the other side. You've done a really, really wonderful job. Thank you so much for coming. Is there anything you would like to tell people to look out for other than the Podiac Killer? Uh Assuming that they haven't apprehended the Podiac Killer by the, by the yeah. time you hear this. Um uh, you can hear me, not that you would want to after this, but you would yes, you, uh, on the Empire Podcast, which is out every Friday, and we have special episodes all the time, uh, interviews with directors, and yes, spoiler, spoiler specials, episodes, oh, so, yeah. which are my favourite things to do. I love doing a spoiler special. But the regular podcast is out every Friday, and you can follow me on Twitter as at Chris Hewitt. And he's also very good at hosting stuff. Just saying. Live Just saying. If you listen to this and you think, hey. You think, I'd like to see my hosting. Yeah. We want a guy who's going through, clearly going through a midlife crisis with <laughs> hair that should have been cut a long time ago to host our, to host our event and make the stars look good. Just by standing next to your star, I will make them look good. It's a real gift. Thank you so much for doing this. It was really lovely to spend time with you. Appreciate it. Happy birthday and good night. <laughs> okay. Cheers, man. 
that was episode 33. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein where you can also help support the show and find a full 10 minutes more chat with Chris and any other treats that might be hiding there. If you do enjoy this show, please subscribe and give it five stars and a nice review for the simple reason that apparently it helps numbers, means more people get to hear it, I can keep making it, you can keep listening to it, we can all keep doing this forever and ever and ever and ever and ever until the sun blows up and we're all dead. Thank you so much to Chris Hewitt for coming to do this. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network, to Buddy Peace for producing it, to Acast for hosting it, to Adam Richardson for the graphics, and Lisa Lydon for the photography. And thank you all for listening. Remember, you have to watch all of Russian Doll before next week's episode with the amazing Leslie Headland. And that is all your homework. Have a very nice week. And please, please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.